Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, church. How are you doing this morning? Good. It's September long. Can anyone believe it's September long already? Man, wow, right? Summer flew by. I hope your summer was as good as ours. We had an awesome time. We had the opportunity, my family and I, to take some time off and refresh, do some camping, do some fun stuff with family and friends. And so we feel refreshed. We feel ready for this new church year that's going to be kicking off in the next week or two. And um, it's, it's going to be good. I hope you're excited. Are you guys excited? Are you believing for big things this year? Yes? Awesome. Okay, believe that with us because we think God's got some amazing stuff that he wants to do in the church and through the church this year. So, awesome. Well, let's pray and then we'll get into God's word for this morning. Father, thank you that um, you are so good, you are so faithful, that you love us so deeply, that we get to be your kids. We get to just be in your presence. We get to come together like this and hear your word and allow your word to transform our hearts. And so that's what we want to do this morning, God. We want to, we want to allow your word to just come and, and, and transform us, your truth to just be so real. So Holy Spirit, do that. Come and speak your truth. Speak through me and beyond me. God, I also pray that you bless the offering that we received this morning, whether that's online or through the giving boxes in the back later. God, I just pray your blessing on it. Have your way. Just receive these first fruits and, and be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You guys ready? Okay, awesome. Well, we are in this series of At His Feet. Have you guys enjoyed this series so far? It's been good, right? It's, it's a mini-series. Clothes had two weeks on it, and now this is going to be our third and final message on this series. So it's kind of this mini-series, but it's so good, right? Just to kind of get back to the basics of, of, of remembering and calling to the front of our minds that we are a people that's meant to be in God's presence. We want to be a people of his presence, right? And so I, I've just been, I want to say, I've been so challenged um, in, in such an awesome way by this series already. I, I've been kind of rocked by this series, you know, and it's just been a time of evaluating like, Brad, are you, are you actually living from a place of his presence, right? Are you positioning yourself at his feet? And is that where you're, you're kind of getting everything you need to live life the way that you're called to? And so that's Kind of, it's been a personal journey, and I'm really excited about sharing some, some things that are close to my heart this morning um, on this topic of at his feet. We, we're called to be a people of his presence. So I want to look at um, another story. We've been looking at stories of, of what happens at Jesus' feet. And Pastor Claude has, has looked at two stories already, and we're going to look at another one this morning. What happens? Because there's always something that happens at his feet, Right? And so we're going to look at another one uh, where Mary anoints Jesus at Bethany. And, and I know this is, a, this is a story that we've all heard many times. We've probably heard a lot of sermons on this story. Uh, but I, I believe nonetheless that God has some really amazing things he wants to teach us and remind us of together as we study this story. So we're going to look at John 12 verse 1 to 8. And so we're going to look at John's version of the story. Mark and Matthew also had versions of this story, but we're going to look at John's account in John 12. And then we'll touch Mark's account a little bit later as well. 
So John 12, 1 to 8, it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. I want to pause here and just give us a little bit of context. Um, the reason that they were getting together was because just a little while before, we see it in John chapter 11, just one chapter before, we see Jesus tell Lazarus' family, remove the stone that's in front of Lazarus' grave where, where he's been dead for four days. He says, remove the stone. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And then we see John eleven forty four. It says, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. I mean, imagine that for a second. He, he, he comes stumbling out of his grave, having been dead for four days, right? Probably still smells like a dead guy. You know, linen on his face, probably can hardly see where he's going, and he comes stumbling out of his grave. What an amazing, amazing show of power that Jesus shows. What an amazing way for Jesus to show who he was, right? And I can only imagine how Mary and Martha must have felt, you know? In this moment, like, they've already been mourning his death for four days. They've already been, you know, coming to terms with the fact that their brother is no longer with them in this lifetime. They've already been coming to terms with this, and then all of a sudden, he's back. Talk about life-changing. Talk about a life-changing event for this family. And so they decide to honor Jesus by putting on a, a bit of a dinner party, right? So that's kind of the context. So Jesus and Lazarus and others are lounging around the table. And then we pick up in verse 3. And then Mary put, uh, took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, he objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. And he didn't say this, I love John's honesty here. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Beautiful story, right? What stood out to me, first of all, was just Mary has this track record of being insightful. Right? Like, like she, she understands who Jesus is. I would argue that she understood who Jesus was more than most of Jesus' disciples, if not all of them. She understood who Jesus was. She had insight into to what was actually happening in this moment, Right? Just like that time where, where Martha was busying herself with all the things and Mary was just planted at the feet of Jesus. She showed us that insight that she had. She showed us that she understood Jesus. And in the same way, we see it again in this story, she understands who Jesus is, that he is her savior and that he has conquered death. Like he, he just showed her that he's conquered death. He raised her brother from the dead. Right? And so he showed her, he conquered death. And so 
she, in response to this, shows him this deep and sincere love and adoration. And as I was reading and studying this story, it just stood out to me like she really loves Jesus. Like she really loves Jesus. This goes way beyond just words or, or an idea. She really loves Jesus. And what it, it hit me, you know, as I was studying this, that what we see her doing is we see her fulfilling the greatest commandment. We see her fulfilling and obeying the greatest commandment, which in Matthew 22 we see is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So we're called to love God with, with all of our heart, our soul, our mind. And, and this means that, that we love God. We're called to love God with a kind of love that's not just partial. It's not just part of us. It's not just superficial. It's all of us. It's our entire being with all that we are, with all that we do. We worship and we love our God. And this is why we need to sit at his feet. This is why we need to spend time in his presence because when we do, we're positioning ourselves to fulfill the greatest commandment. We're positioning ourselves to love God with this all-consuming kind of love that we see Mary show us in this story. And I want us to catch a couple of specific things about the way that Mary shows her love to Jesus. I want to highlight a couple of them. First of all, we see her love and devotion in the way that she loves Jesus with humility. She loves him with humility. See, in that culture, a woman's hair was considered her glory. It was like her glory, right? And, and not only that, but normally only a servant would actually like stoop down and, and touch their master's feet to wash them. Never mind using her hair. And so we see the fact that she's wiping his feet with her hair is, is this sign of deep humility. Deep humility, right? She gets it. She understands who Jesus is and she willingly takes her place at her master's feet in humility. And see, that's true humility, right? Is, is to see ourselves the way that we really are. To see ourselves rightly and then to see God rightly in relation to that, right? That's what humility is. So we see ourselves as we actually are. We're fallen, we're broken, we're hopeless and helpless without Jesus, without God. And then on the other hand, we see God rightly. We see him as our creator, right? We, we, we are only here, we are only here by his design. We were only created by his design. We also see him as our redeemer, right? He's our creator. He's our redeemer. He redeems us. He, he's the only reason we have any hope, right? Any hope of life after death, any hope of eternal life with God is because he redeemed us in a way that we could not redeem ourselves. And then we see him as our king. He's our creator, our redeemer, our king, and we see him rightly. That's what humility is. We don't take control of our own lives, right? We live in obedience, we live in surrender, and that's what humility is all about. We willingly take our place as a servant at the feet of our master. God, what do you want me to do? God, I'm here for you. 
Like everything is for you and I just surrender all that I am and all that I have. I submit all my hopes, my dreams, my desires that are not in line with you. God, I surrender those. I say, shepherd me, Lord. Lead me. That's the kind of humility we see and that's the kind of humility we want to learn from Mary. We love in humility. The second way that we see her show her love and devotion for Jesus is in the way that she loves Jesus extravagantly. <laughs> she loves him extravagantly. It says in verse three, she took about a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. I want to point out, first of all, the amount of perfume that she used was over the top. It was extravagant. Um, to, to think, like, this would have equaled about 11 and a half ounces. It's, it's about the size of a can of soda. That's how much perfume she used in this moment. This was, you know, we, we think, well, a can of soda isn't that big, but think about perfume, right? Think about perfume and think about how expensive this perfume was. And in its context, this was an over-the-top amount of perfume. Like, she could have just dabbed his wrists or sprinkled a little bit over him. That would have been more common in that day. But in that moment, she didn't care about conserving. She didn't care about saving any of this for the next person that died and needed anointing. She didn't care about that. In the moment, in the presence of her Savior and King, she shows Jesus an uncalculating kind of love. An uncalculating kind of love. She wasn't holding anything back. The cost of the perfume is also extravagant. And we all know the story, right? 300 denarii. And the reason it was so expensive was because this was, an ex this was a, a perfume that actually had to be extracted from a really rare plant that they could only find in the mountains of India. And so it, it was a long ways off and they had to import it then from a long ways away and they didn't have Amazon Prime, which at least I don't think they did. Um, so they had to import it from a long ways away and that's why this cost was so high. It was a year's salary. Think about that, right? The amount and the cost shows her uncalculating love for Jesus. In human wisdom, it, it, it didn't make proper sense to use a year's wages like this, right? But it was uncalculated and she goes all in without even counting the cost. She gladly sacrificed something very valuable to worship and love her king. She loved Jesus without holding anything back. And this was very radical. This was radical. It, it was like she was, she was screaming from the mountaintops, Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. That's what her actions kind of show us. It's like she's screaming, Jesus is worth my everything. He's worthy of it all. She's selling out for him, right? Just like that, that parable of the guy who finds a treasure in a field, he sells everything he has so he can buy the field and have the treasure, which is Jesus. The treasure is Jesus. He sells out. And, and that's what Mary is doing. She's selling out for God and for his kingdom. And that's the kind of love that we're called to. That's what we want to learn from this story. She's selling out. And that means that what, what pursuing God costs me doesn't stop me. What it costs me doesn't stop me, right? There's no amount too great or cost too high to show my love for my Savior. 
right? Judas in that moment is like, like, that's a lot. <laughs> that, that's a lot. Like, like, let's be rational. You know, let's, let's think this through. Let's be reasonable. But, but devotion for God like this is uncalculated. It goes beyond balanced judgment. It goes beyond human wisdom. It goes beyond our reasoning. It even goes beyond cultural norms. I mean, this was very counterculture for her to do this. Normally in her culture, like a, a woman would not even approach a man in a public meal setting except to serve him. This was very counterculture. And, and also in that culture, for a woman to even reveal her hair and have her hair revealed like that was often a sign of loose morals. And so this was very counterculture. And, and she could have said like, ah, you know, like th this is just going to be too, it's going to be too radical. Like what? I'm going to look like such an idiot, right? Like people, what are people going to think? How am I, how am I going to make back all the money that I, I just spent? But she went beyond that. And in the same way, right? In the same way, when we love God, it's, it's even going to take us past cultural norms in our culture, right? It's probably going to mean that, that priorities in our life are going to be different than, than some, some people around us even, right? God and his kingdom is going to become so much more than just one of the many things that we try to balance into our life. It's, it's actually going to be the thing. It's going to be the thing, right? The way that we invest our time, the way that we invest our resources into God's kingdom, it's, it's going to seem radical to the people around us. But this is an uncalculated love. It's not moderated. It's not measured. That's what Mary was showing us. Love God with your everything, your heart, your soul, all of it. And I... What struck me too as I was reading this was Jesus accepts her extravagance. Like the wisest guy ever, obviously, he's God. And, and he accepts it, even though there's lots of poor people that need help. He accepts it. In, in Mark's account of this story, we actually see Jesus say to Judas, leave her alone. Uh, why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. He affirms her in this extravagant, over-the-top love and says, yeah, I'm worthy. I'm worthy of that. It, he wasn't saying, I don't care about the poor. Some people see that and think, whoa, that's weird. No, he doesn't say, I don't care about the poor. He's saying, take the opportunity in front. You're going to have lots of opportunities to, to care for the poor, but I'm here. I'm your king. I'm your savior. I'm worthy of your everything. Take the opportunity in front of you right now to love me with your everything. That's what he's saying. He affirms her in this. He accepts this over-the-top adoration because he wasn't looking at the human wisdom of her actions, but at the love for him, which drove her to that. There was a deep love for him. He was looking for this uncalculated devotion. Just like the woman that dropped the two pennies into, into the offering, right? Uncalculated devotion. She gave everything she had. And Jesus says, yep, that's it. No holding back, right? Imagine how our church and our community would look if we approached ministry and community with this kind of uncalculating love and a heart of service for God. 
and for his kingdom. Imagine how it would look where we didn't hold back in our affection for him, in our expression for him, but also in our actions for him. Because these, these, these feelings and this affection for him, it turns into actions, right? And, and I just encourage us, you know, as a church to keep this in mind as we go into the fall, and as we see all the ministries starting up, you know, we're, we're, we're kicking off the, the church year. And, and we, we see, you know, there's lots of positions to be filled and, and lots of volunteer opportunities. And I want to encourage us to ask God, what is this word uncalculated love? What, it, what, what should it mean to me? What should it mean to me? God, make that personal to me. And then let him lead you. Let him... Let him lead you, and, and maybe he'll lead you to serve in the church. Maybe he'll lead you to serve in, in your workplace, bless someone in your community, whatever it might be. It's not specific, but it's, it's God, how can you make this specific? And, and I know a lot of us are already doing, I know a lot of you are already doing this, you know? And this is not a message that, that's laced with condemnation at all. It, it's really not. It's an encouragement. It's an encouragement to just wherever we are at, there's always a next step, right? And just say, God, what is my next step to love you with, with an all-out, sold-out kind of love? <laughs> What's my next step where I'm at? Ask God if there's an area of your life that, that you need to love him more freely and fully, you know? Ask him, God, am I too calculated or are, are my priorities in order? And just, just do this. Take the time to ask him, am I holding back in my love for you? And I want to say too, like I said at the beginning, this is a very personal message for me. And, and I'm preaching from a place of not having this figured out. I, I feel like God is literally taking me on this journey again in this season. And that's why it's so easy to talk about because it's coming straight from my heart. I'm, I'm preaching to myself this morning that, man, God, I don't want to be calculated. I want my priorities to be in the right order. This is what happens when we sit at his feet, right? We, we fulfill the greatest commandment. We love him humbly. We love him extravagantly. Second thing that I want to talk about that happens when we sit at Jesus' feet and when we spend time in his presence is we become God-centered instead of self-centered. We, we see in this, in this story, we see a contrast between Mary and Judas. And, and I think that, that John has purposely actually written it this way so that we, we can catch this contrast, so we can see and learn from this contrast. Mary, she's authentic and selfless, and Judas is hypocritical and self-centered. We can see that very clearly, right? Uh, Mary was this devoted follower of Jesus who gave him everything, right? And Judas, he looked like a follower of Jesus on the outside. He, he was even considered one of the 12, right? But on the inside, we know that he had a heart full of selfish ambition, full of selfish ambition. He was self-centered. He had his own agenda, right? And he was clearly not experiencing the life-changing heart work that happens at the feet of Jesus, and so we see this contrast of someone who's, who's God-centered and someone who is self-centered, right? And, and these are, when it, when it really breaks down, these are the two approaches to life that we can choose from. This is, this is a life approach that I'm talking about. 
Will we be God-centered or will we be self-centered? Will we serve God's agenda or will we serve our own agenda, right? That's the contrast that we see here. And, and it's, from the beginning of time as humans, we've, this, is, this is the decision we have to make. This is the decision, what's gonna be our approach? And the Bible talks about this in James 3 as well, where it contrasts earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. James 3, 13 to 17, it says, who's wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done, in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. This passage it's very clear, right? Earthly, unspiritual wisdom, it's selfish ambition. That's what it looks like. It's another way of saying self-centeredness. But this wisdom that comes from God, it's pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of good mercy, fruit, impartial and sincere. This sounds a bit like that contrast between Mary and Judas, right? It sounds a bit like that, right? Mary was pure and submissive and full of godly wisdom, but Judas, he was just full of this worldly wisdom, this selfish ambition and self-centeredness. He was concerned, what can I get out of this, right? He had his own agenda. Like some people speculate, I don't know if it's true, but some people speculate that he was already saving up for the field he was gonna buy, which we know doesn't turn out well for him, right? Right? Some people speculate he, was, he, he had his own agenda. We see John's honesty there, right? He had his own agenda. He was just thinking about, you know, how much comes in so that I can help myself. He had his own agenda. Sometimes we, 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 we can slip into this way of living, right? I, I know I can. I know I can. It's not hard to do, right? Where, where I... Um, I, I, I start to think about life, like how can I advance myself? How can I promote myself? How can I assert myself? And, and what can I get out of life? And, and we, we, we all probably can slip into this way of, of thinking and living quite easily, right? Like where we begin to start to serve our own agenda. And that's what it's all about, right? What do I want from life? The, the next promotion, the next, the next purchase, the next upgrade, whatever it might be, Right? But James tells us when we're full of selfish ambition, this worldly wisdom, it results in disorder and every evil practice. See, self-centeredness is, is, is at the root of all sin. Self-centeredness is at the root of all sin. It's when I'm living for me that I allow sin into my life. The Bible calls it living in the flesh. And man, I, I just feel like we... It's so important to see this warning and this contrast of Judas and Mary. Like we gotta stay away from living in the flesh and self-centeredness, right? And living for our own agenda and instead living by the Spirit for God's agenda. Galatians 5, 24, 25, it talks about this. It says, those who belong to Christ, 
Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so we can see that we're called to crucify the flesh, right? Crucify its passions and desires, all of our own agenda, our hopes, our dreams, our desires that don't line up with God and don't line up with his hopes, dreams, and desires for us. Those are things that we crucify. We take those out of our life. We surrender those passions and desires so that we can be filled by the Spirit. Right? So that we can be filled by the Spirit. God, I'm here for you. Right? God, I'm here for you. My life is yours. Have your way. I want to be filled with your Spirit. I choose to live by your Spirit. This is how. This is how we can live God-centered and not self-centered. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the thing, right? As we sit at his feet, he fills us with his spirit and we can be God-centered, right? Life is all about him, you know? And, and this is just the best approach we could have to life. I really wanna encourage us. Let's get back to it, right? If we've been slipping into that way of living, self-centered, let's get back to it, our first love, right? The third thing and last thing that I'm going to talk about is, is when we sit at Jesus' feet, we leave a fragrance wherever we go. <laughs> we leave a fragrance wherever we go. I love that detail in, in John's story. He says, the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. It was filled. Have you ever been in a room with someone who wore a lot of perfume? Right? It takes over the room, right? Like, you can't deny it's there. It is just there. Right? And, and so it takes over the whole room. She used a whole pint, guys, a soda can of perfume. That would have been so strong, right? But I love it, right? The fragrance. The fragrance. Think about that. Her, her, her act of love impacted the people in that room in a powerful way. Right? And not only the people in that room, because we see in Mark's version of the story, I want to reference it again, Mark 14, 9, he adds this in his response too. He said, Jesus says, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done is also going to be told in memory of her. Powerful stuff, right? Think about that. Jesus makes this prophetic statement that generation after generation is going to be talking about this, is going to be impacted by her act of love and devotion. And here we are, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. So it's true, right? And, and this is what happens when we spend time in Jesus' presence, right? We leave a fragrance. Mary's love, her worship, it left this fragrance, and it became this testimony that was so powerful, and that's what happens when we spend time in his presence. We have this fragrance and our testimony becomes something powerful to the world around us. And how does this work? How does our love for God become a testimony? Well, I think, I know that in order for us to fulfill the greatest two commandments, which is love God and love others, we first have to receive his love, right? And it's, it's almost the most basic truth of Christianity. But man, is it important. And man, do I forget often. I can only love because he first loved 
me, <laughs> right? And so I have to receive his love and I feel like sometimes that's hard because I feel so unworthy, right? And, and I think some of us can relate. Like it is sometimes so hard to just receive God's love and we get into this place of I'm gonna do, 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 I'm gonna love, love, love. But it's, it's about receiving his love first and I feel like some of us need to hear that again. God loves you. God is crazy about you. I mean, look what he did on the cross for us. That was for you. <laughs> I mean, how can we deny his love, right? And so we gotta receive his love. And what happens is that then naturally from that place of being loved, we just overflow to the people around us and that's how our testimony is formed, right? It's not this like high pressure, I gotta, I gotta do, I gotta love more, I gotta love God, I gotta love others and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, you know? It's not this high pressure thing to, to do more and do better, it's receive his love and let his love overflow to the people around you. That's what I love about God. It's not just do more, do better, it's I'll, I'll give you the love that you need to love me and love other people. We weren't designed to receive his love and keep it in us. God literally created us to receive his love and let it overflow. And if, if you've received his love, I think you know what I'm talking about, right? We probably all have at some point received his love and then felt that just urgency, like, I got to love some people. Like, it's not even hard. I just, I love to love people when I feel loved. And I love to love God when I feel loved. This is how that works, that two-way two -way relationship, that two-way love that's happening between us and Father God. It naturally overflows to the world around us. And people start to notice, right? Like, all of a sudden, I, I have a capacity to love my spouse the way that I am called to love right? Suddenly I have the capacity to parent my kids the way that I'm called to parent them with love and, and our home is full of peace and joy and all the things because I have God's love, right? Even our, our workplaces and our community, I mean, they, they start to notice because, man, these people, like, I know they have their own stuff, but, but but yet they care so deeply for me and they love me. And it's like, man, this is, this is that overflow, right? As we sit at his feet, we become this fragrance and our testimony of God's love, it spills out on the people around us. I want God's love. I want God's fragrance all over me, amen? I want his fragrance. I, I want what people say in memory of me. I want it to be things that glorify God. And this will only happen if I put myself at his feet. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.